Hello everybody, it's the Carl Anthony Show. Your mind can be a better place. It's episode number seven. And the topic today is the human mind. Today's podcast is an interesting topic when you think about it, because if I'm to ask you right now, do you understand how your mind works? What would you say? If I asked you, if you suffer with anxiety, do you know why you suffer with anxiety? What would you say? Have I asked you, if you suffer with depression, why do you suffer with depression? Could you give me an answer? Or if I asked you, if you suffer with panic attacks, do you know why you suffer with panic attacks? Could you tell me why? If you have a fear of spider, could you tell me why? If you have a fear of confrontation, could you tell me why? Or if you are addicted to a substance which causes massive negatives in your life, could you tell me why? And I'm not expecting you to tell me why, but I just want you to become aware of the reality that you possibly don't understand it. And that's okay. I'm not expecting you to understand it. All I want you to do is acknowledge the fact that maybe you don't understand how your mind works. And that being true, if you are challenged with many, many different mental health issues, and the list is far too long for me to mention here. I could go on for the next three, four hours just mentioning different things, but you know, the you know, the, the normal ones we look at are depression, fear, anxiety, worry, and so on, addiction. But there could be multitudes of other ones in between all of that. So this actually affects everybody out there. If you suffer with a fear of heights, do you know why? If somebody's confrontational with you and you feel anxious, do you know why? If you're unhappy, you feel no good inside, do you know why? Again, if we don't know why, it suggests we're powerless to control it. We do not have the control needed to get the resolution or even to give us relief from the pain. So let me talk to you about the human mind, just the simple basics, the fundamentals of how it actually works, just to give you some sort of reference in your own mind to what's happening. The good news is if you are suffering with depression, or anxiety, or fear, or phobia, or worry, or again, a multitude of different issues that can cause us stress on a daily basis, or triggered in different situations. The good news is, it can be resolved. The beautiful thing about the subconscious mind is, by the way, and this is where all of your issues are, it is a programmable mind, which means it can be unprogrammed and reprogrammed. When you look at Western medicine, it's always about suppressing the symptom, but never dealing with the cause. It's always about medicating the symptom, but never dealing with the cause. I know a lot of my good friends who do counselling, and they do fantastic work and great education, and they can pinpoint issues within that client, but they're powerless when it comes to resolving these issues because they don't work deep down in the subconscious mind. So. Again, no matter what you might suffer with, it could be the simplest to the cruelest. It all comes from within your subconscious mind. And how you know is quite simple. For instance, if I said to you, you know, you, you say to me, well, I suffer with a lot of stress. And I said to you, well, what situations make that stress really bad? Really, really bad. 
And you could say, oh, when I'm in work and, you know, I have a lot of work and then the supervisor comes over and hands me more stuff and I have to have it in for tomorrow. And you feel like you're going to completely fail or make a mistake. And you start to suffer with anxiety or panic. Well, now we know that there's a stimulus in the environment that is causing that to trigger. And that gives us great information when we look into the human mind to resolve these issues. You have three minds, by the way. You have an unconscious mind. And you have a subconscious, and you have a conscious. Now, the unconscious mind we won't talk to or about too much here today, but I will give you a basic idea of what it does. So, in the development, early development in the womb, the unconscious mind has already been built, it's been programmed, and it's filling itself with programs for our physical survival when we're born. Your unconscious mind, it controls all your bodily functions. So, when you listen to your heart beating, that's your unconscious mind beating your heart. And hopefully it hasn't missed a beat. <laughs> when you exhale your next breath, that's your unconscious mind regulating your respiratory system and keeping enough oxygen in your system for you to live. And your glands, and when you get hungry, you get an appetite, and you're thirsty, you become parched, when you're hot, you sweat, and when you're cold, you shiver, and it just goes on and on and on. These are what we call automatic functions that we never really have to pay attention to unless we're not well. Maybe we have an issue with our heart. Maybe we have an issue with our breathing. And then we pay attention. But this is all regulated by the unconscious mind. Now we're just going to part that to one side because the next mind is the real you. Your subconscious mind from the second you are born starts recording your whole life 24-7. And think of it this way. Imagine a silly scenario, but the child is born and the nurse comes over, lays the child on the table and inserts a hard drive into the back of the child's head and presses record 24-7. And that will never be interrupted until the last breath. And just like a hard drive on a computer, the programs we put on it are how to pro how the, the computer will operate in the future. So the subconscious mind is where all your feelings come from. So if you feel anxious, if you're feeling worried, if you're feeling unloved, if you're feeling angry, hopeless, well, this is coming from your subconscious mind and all the emotions that come. If you have habits which are not good for you or the people you love or people around you, such as drinking too much, taking drugs, gambling, having affairs or many many other different negative habits we can do again this comes from your subconscious mind and even our belief system comes from our subconscious mind all your beliefs all your understandings and all the reference you have to how the world operates all live in your subconscious mind if you believe that you're the worst person in the world you're right because the subconscious mind cannot distinguish what's real and what's imagined. It's also the part of the mind where your protector comes from. So when you have anxiety and you get the knot in the stomach and you get the clammy hands and you get the shivers and the shakes and you feel like the whole world is just about to swallow you up, it's like a life and death situation. That is your protective mind trying to protect you. And long-term memory, your subconscious mind is a library of your life events, especially the events with emotional impact. Now, the conscious mind develops around the age of six. Now, the conscious mind is a logical and rational mind. 
So we know around the age of six or seven, the child will develop this consciousness. Because up to the age of six or seven, we might believe in Santa Claus. We might believe in tooth fairies. We might believe in anything we're told because we do not have the logic or reason or the ability to analyze the data and come up with a rational conclusion. It's a magical time up to the age of six or seven. But in the conscious mind, it's where your logic comes from. All the reasons you give yourself for what you do, whether they're right or wrong, come from your conscious mind. Willpower comes from your conscious mind. And for anybody who's tried to stop drinking or go on a diet or maybe make big life changes, you've always had to rely on your willpower. Judgment. We make a judgment. Two and two are four, right? And if I say to you two and two are 96, your judgment will reject what I just said because there's no logic to what I said. There's absolutely no reason what I said. And also short-term memory. So it's like a work in memory. So think of it this way. Your unconscious mind is like an operating system on the computer. Say, Windows. Your subconscious mind is the hard drive of that computer where all the programs live. And normally when a program runs, it's very difficult to change it. And then we have the conscious mind, which is like a desktop. It's only temporary. And it doesn't have the power to access the subconscious mind and make changes. So your conscious mind is short-term. So we have short-term logic. We have short-term reason. We have short-term willpower. We have short-term judgment and short-term memory. It's the short-term mind. But pay close attention to what I said. It only develops around the age of six or seven. Which means for the first six, seven years in life, we don't have a conscious mind. We're in a hyper-suggestible state for those years. We're quite sensitive. And it's the learning years. It's a time of accelerated learning. We have to learn so much. We have to learn how to walk. We have to learn how to talk. Our personality is forming, our humor, what we like, what we don't like, what we're afraid of, and what we love. And also the people around us, how they interact with us. Have they bonded? Do they show us love? Are we valued? All of this is being programmed into that young mind before the age of seven. So when you ask somebody who smokes cigarettes, why, do, why don't you just stop smoking? Why just not go into the shop and buy them again? Or if you said to somebody who maybe has a lot of weight on, who has a bad diet, and say, listen, why don't you stop eating so much and stop ordering so much fast food? Or when you say to somebody who has a fear of flying or a phobia, well, why don't you just get on the plane? It's the safest form of transport. Or when you say to somebody who's depressed, come on, cheer up. You've got a beautiful car, you've got beautiful kids, you've got a lovely house. Why is it so difficult for us to make that change? And why can we spend the most of our life <clears throat> fighting ourselves, trying to make that change? Well, it comes down to this simple reason. You have a bit of a clash between two minds because the conscious mind, which is logical and rational, knows that smoking cigarettes is not good for me. We know that logically, we know it rationally. The conscious mind knows, well, you know, I've got maybe 70, 80 pounds on my body that I don't need. It's causing me, you know, it's hurting my knees when I walk. I feel out of breath, I'm unhappy. And when I go out, I feel terrible. We know this logically and rationally. And we know flying is a really safe form of transport. And there's a good chance that nothing bad is going to happen on our flight. And we know consciously we've got a beautiful family, we've got a great life, we've got money in the bank. 
and we're not challenged with anything like other parts of the world. So all the logic and reason that tells us, yeah, I shouldn't do this, when we go to make that change, has to battle with the subconscious. So your subconscious mind is where all your feelings come from and your emotions and your beliefs and your habits and your protector. So when a smoker decides to stop smoking, logic and reason and willpower versus feelings, emotions, beliefs, habits and the fear. So the feeling, I'm going to lose a friend. The emotion around smoking, oh, when I'm stressed or, you know, when I feel like a reward, I'll have a cigarette. And the belief that smoking, my life is better. And the habit itself, and then the fear of loss. So the two minds battle, and normally the subconscious mind wins every time. I've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of smokers in my clinic in my lifetime. And a good 90% of people will struggle to go up smoking by themselves. A small percentage will do it. And the reason they can do that is that when the attitude changes in the mind, it gives us more power to battle with the subconscious. So when you look at your own mind, if you suffer with panic, depression, hurt, loss, anger, addiction, you could be quite amazed when I tell you that the cause is 99% chance will be before your age of seven. And let me explain that to you. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean. Say somebody who suffers with claustrophobia, the fear of being trapped, out of control. Imagine they're 35 years of age and they can't get the train to work because every time they get on the train, when many people get on at a stop, they start to feel panicky. They're starting to go into fight or flight and they just want to get off that train no matter what. Even though they know if they're late for work, they're in trouble. Just imagine an example of, say, a lady who suffers with claustrophobia and she avoids lifts. She doesn't want to fly anywhere. And it started when she was 30 years of age. So she's had it five years as far as she's concerned. And when it was first started in her life or her mind, 30 years of age, she was on a, you know, in a car, there was loads of people in the car, they're driving down the road, the car had a bit of a crash. And when it crashed, you know, it was a bit damaged and they couldn't open the doors to get the people out, just for maybe five minutes. And next of all, this panic attack was triggered in that moment. Now, a lot of people would think that was the start of the panic attacks, but no, that is a trigger. Because when we look back to the subconscious mind before the age of six or seven, we're looking back for the very first time that child had an experience of when they were trapped. And it could be many, many different reasons. It could be as simple as, you know, oh, my friends locked me in the toilet and I couldn't get out, four years of age. In fact, I had a client recently whose brother put her into a wardrobe and locked the door plain and started trying to scare her by pushing the wardrobe a little bit and next of all, it fell over on the doors. And that five-year-old couldn't get out, four or five-year-old couldn't get out of the wardrobe because it was lying on the doors, it was dark inside and she had a panic attack. So imagine the girl who's 35 now, who can't get on a train because she's afraid of being trapped. It started when she thinks it, when she was 30, in the car accident. But the real source of that comes from five or four years of age when she was trapped in a wardrobe. Same with fear of spiders. If you have a fear of spiders, there's a 99% chance that you learned that fear before the age of six or seven. Depression. What is depression? 
And oppression is what we call unfairness and injustice. When somebody treats us unfairly or unjustifiably, it takes our value away. If you're in a toxic relationship where you're being put down constantly or threatened, mentally or physically abused, you're in a constant state of unfairness and injustice, which completely devalues you. And that's what depression is, when we lose our value, we feel hopeless inside, we feel terrible, like a failure. The world would be better off without us. Virtually everything I've ever seen in a clinic, and my colleagues and my peers have ever seen in a clinic, when it comes to even sickness, cancer, when it comes to allergies, and many, many different forms of challenges we face physically and mentally, they can all be traced back to childhood trauma. Anger. Well, how do we end up angry and depressed when we're older? Well, if we're brought up in a home where there's not much love, or there's a lot of, you know, anger being thrown at us from a parent who has their own anger issues, or there's a lack of bonding, or we're treated differently to our brother or our sister, and we're ridiculed and shamed in the family, or school, we could be bullied, or we could be bullied by a parent. Well, then, if we were experiencing this at a very, very young age, before the age of six or seven, we can express the anger, but more times than not, we'll actually internalize it. We say nothing. But we have an inner rage. We have an inner anger of unfairness and injustice towards the people who are hurting us. Now, that same child, you know, maybe two years later could feel a bit better about it, but 20 years later, they're in a relationship with somebody, fall in love with them, the person cheats on them or leaves them or rejects them. And next of all, that same sensation of unfairness and injustice kicks in and re-triggers the feelings. So, the truth is, if you are suffering with anxiety, fear, panic, addiction, no matter what, it starts and stems from the early years in your life, before the age of six or seven. Now, it can be re-triggered, it can be reinforced, or it can be constant from that time. So, when we look at how the Western world operates now. There's a medication for everything, but medication, again, I'm not putting it down, has a great, uh, you know, it does great work for some people in, in, in certain situations, but, you know, to sort of use it on a mass scale across the whole board for anxiety or, you know, like um, anxious or, you know, like that, you know, wouldn't it be better if we all were educated to learn how to resolve these issues? I know what you're thinking, right? Well, that wouldn't make money, would it? No, and you're right. But the truth of it is, no matter what is hurting you, no matter what makes you angry, no matter what substance you might be attracted to to distract yourself from reality, or no matter how bad you feel about yourself, all can be resolved from within your own mind. So think back to those early years. And try to think to yourself, is there any situations I might have encountered? I mean, was I bullied? Was I, you know, did I have a good relationship? Did I ever get lost as a child? Did I ever break a bone, fall off a bike? Did I ever have a bad experience with a dentist? Oh, do I remember that time when that spider scared the living God out of me when I was three years of age? Because you will find the answer to your issue goes way, way back. So, in my field of work, how do I help people? Well, I'm a professional hypnotist, as you probably know. And we use a process where we can actually 
pinpoint the cause. We can actually enter the subconscious mind and pinpoint the moment depression started or anxiety started or the fear of spiders started or the fear of confrontation started or the feeling of rejection or when you were bullied. We can pinpoint that back in the subconscious mind. And once we can pinpoint it, we can desensitize it and remove it. And that's a beautiful thing. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, it's no different than having a computer that's slightly corrupted. And you hand it into the guy in the repair shop and he says, yeah, I found this virus on the hard drive. I've now deleted it. <clears throat> I've installed new security. And you now switch on your laptop and it runs perfectly again. Well, it's not much different than what I do. So, think about what you've been through, what challenges you faced, what hurt and angers you picked up along the way, what type of people brought you into this world. And again, this is not about me having to go with anybody's parents, because our parents were damaged people too, and their parents were damaged people too, and their parents were damaged people too. It's not about blaming anybody, it's about looking at the truth. The truth is, you are a program, and you're programmed to have anxiety, you're programmed to be depressed, you're programmed to fear people or fear public speaking, you're programmed to feel no good inside, or you're programmed to continually eat or have some other form of addiction, alcohol, gambling. It's a program, and until you can identify the program, remove it, desensitize it, you're at its mercy. And this is why we see people taking antidepressants for 30 years. We see people on multiple different types of medication for nearly every mental challenge we have. And that's a problem. Because if we don't have inner peace in our own mind, if there are issues from the past that are not resolved, then they're killing you. If there's anger there for somebody from 10 years ago, if there's a sense of loss or rejection from a loved one, a parent maybe, you've had it all your life or you've just never felt as good as the rest. Well, that can cause a state of dis-ease in the mind and body because you cannot separate the mind and body. Every emotion, every thought has a physical response in your body and you cannot separate your mind from your relationships. So, if you are distracting yourself with some form of addiction, maybe drinking wine five nights a week, if you are trying to disguise or disrupt or interrupt or disassociate away from the pain, it's like hearing your fire alarm go off at three o'clock in the morning and you climb up on the ladder, you get a snips and you cut the wires going to the bell and you go back to sleep. The fire is still raging, but the bell, the symptom of the fire, has stopped. And inside you, if your mind is feeling hopeless, unloved, if it's feeling rejected, not enough, unhappy, well then it's in a state of disease which will have a physical effect on your body. My job is probably the greatest job you can have. Because I get to tell people this all the time. I get to lecture on this. I train students to do what I do on this. And I see thousands of clients. And I have seen thousands of clients. 
And because of the understanding and the, the knowledge we have and the results, we would have a good 90% chance of removing depression, panic, anxiety, fears, phobias. And when you look at the current world we're in today, it's quite challenging, isn't it? I mean, it just seems to be constant fear, worry, hopelessness, isolation, loneliness. This is having a massive effect on our children and us, especially the early years. So if you are struggling anyway, my heart goes out to you. But I would urge you to sit down and contemplate, maybe just find a little bit more about how your mind works. Maybe speaking to somebody like myself who can sit down with you and identify the issues and where they come from and more importantly how we get rid of them. Because it's not a light statement when I say get rid of them. Now a lot of people don't like that when I say that but hey I don't care I tell you the truth. Can I help you remove panic attacks? Absolutely. Can I help you remove depression? Absolutely. Can I help you remove the loss of value in yourself? Absolutely. And you might think well how? Well, when I find out the reason why you lost your value in the first place, I can help you change it. When I find out the very first moment your mind decided to be afraid of spiders, or afraid of confrontation, or afraid of crowds, or afraid of being trapped, I can help you. Once we can identify the source, we have healing. We can resolve the issue which removes the symptoms. So I'm going to finish now, and I hope this resonates with you somehow. I hope this has given you some value and some understanding and maybe some hope inside yourself that, hey, this is not your fault. Now, it is your responsibility, but possibly not your fault. And when you see other people who you love and you might, you know, see them doing things that really annoy you or the things that you can't understand why a certain person would say something or do something like that, you got to remember that the truth. The truth is, well, they're a program too. And they cannot operate any other way other than that program. Just like you can't. And one of the biggest things you can do to hurt yourself is take everything personally. One of the biggest things you can do to hurt yourself and devalue yourself in life is to give your power to other people. And what I mean by that? Well, if you've been angry with somebody for the last five years, you've given away your health, your happiness, your time, and they have become your master for the last five years. Now, I'm not saying you should let people off of things and agree with them and just be stood on and trod over. I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to say is that it's okay to express healthy anger, but you've got to give forgiveness, not for them, for you. Because if you don't, they become your master. In fact, everything you blame in your life for how you are and who you are today, you give power to. So my friends, keep the faith. There is hope, there is help. The first step for you is to understand your own mind. Thank you.